Hello, and welcome to the Power Your Advice podcast. The Power Your Advice podcast is designed to bring financial advisors new ideas, why those ideas should be considered, and how to implement them into your business. This podcast is brought to you by Advisorpedia, the best place for advisors to grow their minds and businesses. And now, please join your host, Doug Heikinen. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. Today, we're going to dip into our mailbag and answer some questions we've been getting on how to be more successful in terms of differing marketing strategies. We've asked industry experts, Susan Theater, the CMO at FMG, and Samantha Russell, the chief evangelist at FMG to assist us as these questions are right in their sweet spot. I think this is going to be really fun and informative. Welcome, Susan and Samantha. Hi, thanks so much for having us. Are you ready for this? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Hit us, hit us with the hard ones. Uh, we've narrowed all our submissions down to three. So let's put your creative hats on and let's go. Okay. Here, here's number one. We're a smaller advisory firm that wants to grow organically through digital marketing. We're not interested in paid ads. We're two co-founders and we're located in Indianapolis. We've been successful focusing on serving business owners in our local community. We have a company LinkedIn page, a Facebook page, in addition to our website, but do little with it. We post market summaries under our website once a month, and sometimes we'll post articles to LinkedIn, but have no real strategy. We're considering starting to make videos or do a podcast, but we aren't sure where to start. Neither of us does much on social media for business purpose purposes. Suggestions? That's a lot. I, That's yeah. A lot. That was a lot. And I, I love, if it's okay, Susan, I'll start. I, I love that they gave us so much information though. I, th- I think one of the things that did stick out to me was that they do have a niche, which right away, that's so wonderful because it makes narrowing down what marketing activities you're going to do so much easier. So they focus on business owners. So right off the bat, without even knowing anything else, my biggest tip would be whatever form of content that they choose to start creating, whether it is a video or a podcast, to really hone in specifically on what are these business owners that are in their local community? What kinds of questions do they have? What are they struggling with? What's on their mind? So right now, inflation is something, you know, on the minds of everybody, but especially small business owners. So, you know, creating content around um, those kinds of topics are going to be really, really key for that audience. But then how do they get it in front of, of those business owners? I would really want to see the, the co-founders or at least one of them get a lot more active on social media so they can tap into the network of clients that they do have, post whatever kind of content that they're targeting at these business owners, and then they can really utilize the connections they already have with their current business owner clientele to get that content in front of more potential clients, if that makes sense. Totally. And you know, I'll just play off that. So I think you mentioned that they have a business LinkedIn page, but I didn't hear you mention that they are, you know, they probably have a personal LinkedIn page, but it sounds like it's not even in their peripheral for and they weren't leveraging. Using it. Yeah, for business. So I think one of the first things is to think about leveraging their personal LinkedIn page um, to help expand their network because people connect with people in addition to businesses, but there's a definite strategy that they could leverage. And I just, I actually, I did look, um, I was doing, you know, we develop content for our FMG customers. And recently it was National Business, Small Business Week, I think. 
And I had looked at all of the different observances related to small business owners, because there are many advisors that focus on this niche. And coming up in October is National Women's Small Business Month, the whole month. So that could be a really great opportunity to feature women, small business owners that are existing clients, or even just reach out to those in their community that are prospects and offer to feature them. And they could even feature a a particular financial planning challenge that that business has had and talk about how they've addressed that, you know, within the profile, but people love to hear stories. So maybe even talking about how that small business got started a little bit of the story of the person that by itself will probably expand their network exponentially. Um, And then I think doing polls to Samantha's point about what are they, what are they thinking about? What are their challenges? Maybe they do a monthly poll and that would give them a a topic they could then write articles about. To me, it seems like they just listed everything and they don't have a real strategy for this is the first thing I do. And here are the things that I can do moving forward as far as blooming my flower as as connecting with people. So it seems like they don't even know where to start. They have a website and that's just like, now what? And I think the, the, the great thing about um, content marketing and, you know, so many people get really stressed out when they hear content marketing, if they're not a marketer, all you need to think of content marketing, all it is, is communication. So what kind of communication are you already sending to clients, for instance, you know, maybe, um, a great example would be a lot of business owners when COVID hit and the PPP loans were really complicated, hard to understand. A lot of the advisors that I know would send their business owner clients information on PPP loans. You can take that email that you already sent to all your clients and turn it into a blog post that lives on your website and then short little video snippets that you then then post. So I think the biggest thing when it comes to a strategy is really trying to hone in on what are we absolutely going to do, you know, every month. So if it's like a client newsletter that, you know, you're going to do it every month. And then how do we repurpose what we know we're already going to do into additional things? Um, And what's so great about that is if you're, if you and your partner are writing that, you know, client newsletter and you're getting it approved by compliance, you can even have somebody else on staff breaking it into smaller pieces and repurposing it in other ways. So Um, In terms of a strategy, you know, choose the one thing you're going to start with when you're first getting started to make it easy on yourself to keep going. Totally agree. And the easiest thing could even just be every week, connect with five business owners in your community. Just send out a request to connect, maybe attach an article that you've written. That's just, you know, the basic. And then I think, you know, the small business niche is such a wonderful one for marketing purposes. They could do every month do a spotlight post on a certain business owner and maybe every month or every other month post a webinar in-person event with another speaker like a center of influence that might be an attorney or cpa get into sort of that rhythm one thing that you just said that made me think i know somebody who um a lot of the businesses that they featured were more retail businesses and um or service-based businesses in their local community so they were actually on facebook because they knew that these even though a lot of advisors i find don't prospect as much on Facebook, the businesses themselves were utilizing Facebook a lot for prospecting. And so what they did was every Friday, they had a feature Friday where they featured a local business in their community and they would show pictures of it, 
what the business did. It didn't have to be a current client of theirs, but then they would say, you know, follow our page for more great tips on things in our own backyard. So they would pepper in between there, you know, an event that was going on at a local business, things like that. So people wanted to follow their page because everybody wants to know what's happening in their local community. And then people started sending them information like, hey, feature us or, you know, we we have this great event we're going to host. So to Susan's point, you know, I, I think, again, focusing on where your audience is going to be spending their time, like which platform and then that's the one you utilize. So I know that they mentioned LinkedIn a lot, but maybe Facebook is the better platform for who they're trying to reach. And lastly, on this one, they want to go grow organically through digital marketing. And you guys have statistics that this actually does work. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Yeah. Sorry, Susan, if I'm cutting you off, I can't nope, tell you. No. Um, Putnam Investments did a really great report, the social advisor survey. And they found that the average um, AUM, or I'm sorry, the average age of a new prospect that an advisor was bringing in um, before the pandemic was just 35 years old, so much younger. But within two years, by 2020, the average age was 40 years old. And it was $4.9 million in average AUM that was a result of social media initiatives. So it's not just like a feel good, hey, bring awareness. It actually drives ROI. All right, let's move on. Number two, we focus on high net worth families in greater New York, Connecticut area and have about 400 million. We'd like to get more referrals. We have one email newsletter that we send to our clients each month. We're not very creative without titles, with our titles as it comes from us to our clients. It says February newsletter, March newsletter, et cetera. We have a CFA on staff and he writes one in-depth article on topics that we think interest our clients, estate planning, tax strategies once per month. We also add these to our website. What else should we be doing or altering? Want to start, Sam? Yeah, I was going to say, you know, the first thing that I well, heard in there, <laughs> yeah, the first thing that I, I hear in there, which is really interesting, a lot of people don't realize, I was surprised by this actually, but it makes sense the more you think, think of it. There was a report recently from Financial Advisor Magazine, and they found that actually the wealthier that you are, the less likely you are to refer your financial advisor to their friends or family. So, so many people who focus on, you know, the ultra high net worth, high net worth um, group of individuals they are really thinking that referrals is the way that they're going to grow. But actually, the, again, the, the more um, affluent you are, the less likely you are to refer. With people, the wealthiest on that spectrum, 5 million or more being the very least likely. And so when we think about how do we drive referrals, it really needs to be something pretty amazing for somebody to be talking about it. And so I think there's a lot of things we can do when it comes to now, especially in this, I don't wanna say post COVID world because I don't know if that's technically where we are, but in the world where we can do a lot more client events, um, there's events that you can do to drive a lot more um, of those referrals. But even with their newsletter, you know, they mentioned that their newsletter is March newsletter, April newsletter. It's just kind of has a boring subject line. What we have found um, through all of the emails that we send on behalf of our clients at FMG is that the, the subject line of your newsletter is so crucial for getting that open rate to go up, right? So changing it from just sort of this standard, hey, this is this month's newsletter to something that makes somebody wanna open it that tells them about what they're gonna read. So maybe it's something like, you know, you have five months left 
to act before these rules change, you know, the legislation changes around minimum distributions. And then you have an article that talks about that. Something that's going to hook them in that's timely or, you know, what, what to do about inflation right now, or is your portfolio hurting because of all of the market volatility? So something that's going to hook people in, just making that small tweak in your subject line can really do wonders for your open rate and your click-through rate for those email newsletters. Yeah. And I'll, I'll add to that. If you think about referrals, it's so true. You know, the people don't go out of their way to have a conversation with a friend saying, Hey, I just had my annual portfolio <laughs> review and boy, was that a, wow, you should go to them. But they do talk about their experiences in life and things that surprise and delight them. So I, I tend to coach advisors to think about referrals being when you have done something that surprises a client in a way that they want to talk about it because it was part of their every day. So typically that airs on more of the personal side, not really the financial side. So to the client event comment that Sam had, doing a better job of segmenting their existing clients based on their life, lifestyle interests, as well as sort of their demographic profile, and then having events and even content that is targeted to those likes. So whether they're a car fanatic or a wine, you know, a wine connoisseur or a travel person, we all open those emails. We love events on those things. And that is where somebody might be inclined to bring a friend or tell a friend about a great event that their financial advisor did. And it's sort of, you know, giving your clients a, a reason to talk about you that is, that is comfortable to them. So I think along those lines, the other thing is social proof is huge for that audience. And so having a concerted effort to connect with reporters in their community, whether it be sort of the personal finance reporter, could even be, you know, just somebody that's, that's writing about the economy, but following them on LinkedIn, commenting on any of their posts, and then sharing articles or opinions that they you know, share or think the reporter might be interested in and starting to get some social proof as well as, of course, we could spend hours talking about the new FCC marketing rule. And I think um, generating reviews will be a huge opportunity for a firm like this. I know the wealthier people don't refer their advisor to their friends, but do they forward their emails? If your newsletter is really good, do they forward their newsletter to friends from time to time? I would say no. Yeah. I think what's more likely to happen is if they're in a conversation and like, this is going to be very rare, right? So somebody is talking about a pain point that they have about some topic. And usually it's not going to be personal. It's might be business. So they own a business and they're having some pain point with hiring or something. And then their advisor has a piece in their newsletter about something related to the hiring crisis in our country right now. They might, you know, bring either bring it up or in very rare situations forward that, but it's so small to, to rely on that. It's, that's a really hard strategy to, to execute. And you're putting all of the power or you're, I shouldn't say you're putting the power, but you're hoping and praying it's going to happen. Right. So we want to make things to be as proactive on our end as possible to so Susan's point. You know, I've, I worked with a firm once and every year at the holidays, I know people don't, um, physically go to the movies the way they used to but you know at the holiday time is when like all the new big blockbuster movies come out and they would rent out a theater for a family-friendly movie and tell all of their clients to come and bring their kids and they tell them still do it i actually yeah. saw a post over the weekend from one of my 
advisor friends who did rented out the movie theater for Top Gun. And, and I was- and I what I loved about it was doing it like in the, the dead of winter when parents are like, oh my God, what am I going to do? I have little kids at home. So especially this is salient to me. Like, what am I going to do with these kids? Um, I think that's such a great idea. Or there's there was somebody else who they told all of their clients, hey, come bring your parents and bring any kind of, um, you know, things are like everyone could pick two things around their home that they wanted to get appraised and they brought in an appraiser to appraise antiques. So almost like a antiques road show kind of a thing. So there's so many different events to, to Susan, to your point though, that I think start conversations that are way beyond just, Hey, I have like this financial problem mm-hmm. and my advisor fixed it for me. <laughs> Number three, I'm a solo advisor that focuses on women through divorce. I have a YouTube channel where I post very basic videos and I record them through my computer using Zoom. I'm starting to see pretty good results, um, but those results aren't translating as well to other social media sites. I know the content is good because it drives a good amount of traffic to my website, but once there, the traffic falls off and it's not converting into more booked meetings. Should the videos be cleaned up to look better? and could they also be repurposed to other most social media channels and to perhaps book more meetings? You can go first if you want, Susan, or I can go, whatever you think. Oh, I can go first. Um, I, I, I almost envision you. I remember when I first met Samantha, I, you know, just started following her on social and I just loved, she was taking videos in all different places, which I hadn't seen before. You know, there was one in the car on the way to pick up the kids, you know, just day in the life of that I could totally relate to. And I thought that was like really innovative, differentiated and powerful. So I think, especially with a women target audience, I don't think the videos and Sam, I'd love your, your, you to weigh in, but I don't think the videos need to be polished. I think, you know, just using her iPhone, maybe instead of zoom and taking videos in different settings that women could relate to. So it could be, you know, working, you know, on a, on a weekend, I'm paying my bills, you know, what a pain, you know, or just signing up for bill pay or whatever it might be, or, you know, on my way to pick up the kids or, you know, at a soccer game, things that we connect with and just show that that person is a, you know, as a woman. Um, and then having events, I mean, a common theme here, but one of the most successful events I, I heard a woman do, and it, uh, it was a woman advisor who served um, her, her niche was divorced women, but she did a a a joint event with Nordstrom's and she had a fashion consultant and they did a co-presentation at Nordstrom's at night after it had closed where the women, you know, were, were matched with a, you know, uh, you know, I guess a a fashion consultant who picked out the stylist, that's the word. And then she talked about, you know, financial wellness and personal wellness. And she got so many clients. I mean, talk about something that people talk about, they, those, the people that she had invited that were a combination of clients and prospects talked about it to their friends. And then it became something that she was asked to do on a, on the monthly basis. So, so two cool. thoughts there. Very cool. Yeah, I agree. 100% don't make the videos more cleaned up. In fact, I'm advising people with everything they do on social media, YouTube, whatever, the more raw you make it look, the better, because our brains are now, we just know what an ad is. So we tune it out if it looks too polished. What I would say though, what I thought was interesting is that you mentioned that the the traffic that she does get from these videos, it's going from 
YouTube to her website, which is wonderful. People are going there to learn more, but it's not converting into anything. So that leads me to believe that the website is the problem. So I would love to take a look at in a situation like this at the website and find out, does she have a very clear value proposition on the homepage? Is it obvious that she works with women going through a divorce and having things like case studies where she, she kind of gives scenarios, you know, Jane Doe is a woman, you know, in her thirties, her and her husband co-owned a business. They're going through a divorce. I've been helping her as she thinks about splitting up these assets and who gets control of what pieces of the business. Like those kinds of things really help people put themselves um, and visualize, you know, working with somebody like you. So that would be another one easy thing. Another thing is, does she make it easy for people to book a meeting with her? I mean, I can't tell you how many websites I've looked at, Susan's nodding her head here, where it seems like you have to get a secret code to figure out a way to contact the person. I mean, they don't have their phone number, or their email easily accessible. We've done research um, that found that one of the number one things that high converting websites had in common was they had a calendar widget embedded in the website. So you could just book a meeting right then and there without having to email back and forth, fill out a form, right? Because we want to capture these people when the friction is low and they've had something happen in their life where they're like, I'm ready to do this, right? Most people put off meeting with a financial advisor. Actually, AARP found 45% of people would rather go to the dentist than meet with a financial advisor. So when it's late at night and someone's watching her YouTube videos and they're like, oh, I need to call this woman and work with her, you want them to be able to book on your calendar right then in that moment, because by the next day when they're like, oh, I'll get to calling her tomorrow, the moment may have passed and then they move on, right? So having a calendar widget on the website, making sure the value proposition is articulated, I would really be taking a closer look at her website. I agree. And I actually was going to suggest that she evaluate her CTA, her calls to action, you know, so some, we see websites that either have too many or none, or they're just visually not appealing. So really doing a sort of a CTA analysis and coming up with some strong calls to action in addition to schedule a meeting and possibly, you know, a, a portfolio or financial plan assessment, you know, something that could pull people in. Um, but also it, it reminded me she's posting on YouTube and it's driving people to the website, but she doesn't sound like she's leveraging her social media channels to additionally um, leverage that content to drive additional awareness, digital brand, um, SEO. So I think she could just repurpose, you know, try to take some of those videos and post them on LinkedIn, on Facebook, um, in addition to just using YouTube. Um, two follow-up questions. One is, how long should her videos be to get the most traction? And secondly, are you seeing traction with Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest for her? Yeah. So in terms of length on YouTube, the algorithm takes into account a couple things, the total watch time of your channel. So how long do people spend watching videos on your channel completely, as well as the percent complete of any one individual video. So for a YouTube strategy, I'm not talking about posting them on LinkedIn or Twitter there, they should be shorter, but for YouTube, you want a mix of long videos that will really engage people in depth so that they're staying there for a longer period of time. So maybe you're giving like a workshop, a 30 minute workshop or a 40 minute webinar that you post on, you know, five steps to X, right? Getting, getting a quadro um, in divorce. But then you also want, you know, quick hitting videos that are just two, three, four minutes where the per total percentage viewed of that video is going to be higher. And the algorithm likes that combination of content. 
And then what's great about those shorter videos is then those are really easy to then repurpose and share them also on social media. So that's what I would suggest in terms of the length. And I'm sorry, I forgot the second part of the question. The second part is, are you seeing emergence in other social media channels, uh, Instagram, Pinterest, TikTok, um, that are being used by advisors? I mean, definitely not Pinterest. Pinterest, I would say no, not at all. Um, Instagram for independent RIAs that are focusing on younger people, like under 40, yes, they are. Um, it, you have to have a compliance situation set up where nothing has to be approved and you're, you know, you're your own compliance officer for it to really work on Instagram and TikTok because of the nature of those platforms. Um, but I would say the adoption of those two platforms is still very, very, very low, like minuscule. And so there is a lot of opportunity there, but the problem is that it really is probably only going to be worth your while if you are targeting people where uh, with a subscription-based model, right? You're not necessarily looking for a large volume of assets to move over um, because those audiences tend to skew much, much younger and they haven't accumulated those assets yet. And also just the, the nature of those platforms is so visual, short video images, you know, which um, is a very different content strategy and one that is a little bit I'd say more difficult to align with the value proposition of an advisor. So I'd say the, the opportunity that I think is greatest in front of advisors is the SEC marketing rule that enables them to um, gain, gain and leverage testimonials more so than I see like the proliferation of Instagram or TikTok. But I may just be old fashioned. <laughs> I think, I think to your point, Susan, you know, I, I definitely think there is opportunity, especially on Instagram, I will say, but the issue is the number of people who can actually use it right now. It's very, very small um, from a compliance standpoint. And to Susan's point, we don't know very many advisors who want to whip out a camera every single day and record themselves talking in short off the cuff video. Like they're finding it very hard to even create one thing a month. So you really need to be more in the mindset of, I want to be a content creator and a financial advisor to succeed on those platforms. Great. Well, that was fun. Yeah, those are great ones. <laughs> those are good ones. I feel like I, I'd love to meet them and, you know, talk more in depth. There's so much opportunity. Well, and I'd so say the, the, you know, almost, I guess the second example, maybe less so, but obviously when you have a niche, the opportunities for a marketing strategy become really fun. Well, Susan, Samantha, thank you so much for joining us. We're going to have to have you back. We would love it. We would love that. Okay. To learn more about FMG, please visit fmgsuite.com. Please follow us for all the latest updates on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook, all at Advisorpedia. For everybody at Advisorpedia, our producer, Jakey Beard, and the Power Your Advice podcast team, this is Doug Heikinen.